1: podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing. So we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. The Unholy Trinity podcast. Three Blues.
0: Three opinions. One Everton podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 77 of the New Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with FanHub, where the fans come first. I'm delighted to say, back on the show again for his, uh, his second appearance is uh, downtown and business founder Frank McKenna. Frank, how are you getting on, mate?
0: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Very good. Nice to see you again.
1: Pleasure to have you on again, mate. It really is. Um, unfortunately, we're not, in, not in great circumstances after. Uh, Yesterday's performance, which we're going to come on to come on to very shortly. Um, Pete's not here tonight, for for those who who obviously are, are wondering. Obviously, you can't see the uh, the stream. Pete's busy with uh, with work. He's probably stalking actually. That's probably that's probably the real excuse. Um, Pete, Pete goes. Pete doesn't like it when we get. Beat. He goes into hiding quite often. So maybe that's got something to do with it. But no, he's 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 got a lot on Pete. So we'll excuse him. We'll excuse him for this for this week. Um, but since since we last spoke. Um, Obviously, we've we played Leicester, which we're going to talk about shortly as well, um, and then obviously we played played Newcastle yesterday. There was high hopes that we'd come out of you know both games with with at least four points. In my opinion, anyway, um, I certainly expected us to win to win yesterday. Um, hasn't been the case, uh, but we started off the the uh, the round of games all the week with the the game against Leicester Goodison and looking back on that it's been obviously quite a few days now since that game happened I sort of look back at it and was fairly satisfied to come away with the points at the end of the day somebody wasn't I'm going to bring you in firstly because I know you're chomping at the bit to discuss what happened against Leicester talk me through your thought process and your feelings after, after the uh, dropping you could say dropping two points in that game
2: it's amazing what a few days does it calms you down a little bit doesn't it uh, I'm blaming it on lockdown. Why I lost my head a little bit after the result, mate. Um, it's an easy excuse. No, but um, for me, it, it was it was it was two points dropped in a way because I just felt we'd taken the lead. We started poorly. We almost like set up to not be beat from the outset, really, and we didn't take control of the game. Certainly in midfield, we were outnumbered. And then Leicester had a you know half decent spell. Didn't really create a great deal with it, mind. Um, and then we scored a fantastic goal. I mean, what a what a goal by James Rodriguez! That is, uh, you know, it was a mini sort of transition slash counter attack. Great ball from Andre Gomez, switch of play, lovely touch from Luca D. Hamas has got a little bit lucky because his cross was blocked. But th- after that, it was just magic, wasn't it? I mean, the boys, the fitter he's getting now after his inverted commas Christmas break, um, he's uh, he's shown another level, isn't he? Um, I mean, he just shifted it, shifted bang. Uh, you know, and I think their defender was as surprised as we are. It was his right foot. I think his first goal outside the box with his right foot, wasn't it? And Schmeichel just watched it go in. I mean, what a goal. I mean, can you imagine if 40,000ers had been there to see that? I mean, the place would have... The roof would have come off, wouldn't it? Uh, fantastic goal. And then for me, we'd taken the lead then, and obviously what was going to be a tight game, we knew that anyway. Um, and then second half... I just felt we just gave them the impetus from the start. We knew they were going to come out. Of course they we were. They were going to have a little spell. But then we just kind of thought, right, let's see this out for 45 minutes. And I just felt when we played them at their place, it was a similar game. Richarlison scored, didn't he, first half? And um, they've got no Vardy, so their threat on the count is limited anyway. Um, and I just felt, I'm all, I don't mind us sitting off and I don't mind us trying to be hard to beat but we've got to carry a threat the other way we've got to have something going forward and Dom just got more and more isolated Carlo re- realised what was going on then dropped Luca Dean into a five and then all of a sudden we were just like right we're just going to do this now for 45 minutes and try and see it out and we all know in football I mean it's very hard to see out 20 minutes you know what I mean defending like that never mind 45 and I just I just felt it was an opportunity missed um you know, against sort of a reasonably weakened Leicester side up front, certainly. And um and everyone was all coming out with yeah, well we'll take the points, we're gonna win on Saturday. Football doesn't work like that, does it? You know, football does not work like that. You can't just assume you're gonna get three points against a poor Newcastle team. And I just felt if we'd have, if we'd have had a little bit more about us, like we did when we when it went to one or we could we had the best chances after that to win the game. We could have put it on them a bit more and probably come away with another two nil like we did at their place. But Maybe I'm being over-optimistic with that midfield, but what do you think, Frank?
0: Well, on Wednesday night, I felt exactly the same as you. Um, You know, I felt as though it was two points dropped. I was very frustrated. I felt as though the equaliser was coming because, uh, as you say, Lee, we'd given the initiative to them. There was no respite for the defence. So there weren't even counter-attacks going the other way. You know, we were simply sat really deep It was almost like attack and defence. I was interested, actually, in a very poor commentary uh, on BT Sport. Uh, The guy's pronunciation of some of the players was bizarre, (laughs) to say the least. Um, But nonetheless, he did make a great point when he said, do you think Everton would get away with this sort of tactic had the crowd been in? Um, mm. And I don't think they would, is the honest answer. If Carlo thinks he can play like that with 40,000 Evertonians in the ground, I think he's, he's, he's likely to get a rude awakening. Um, however, once you watch the game yesterday with the side that I would have probably picked on Wednesday, with Coleman and Dina playing full back and presumably giving you a better attacking option, Carlo would now be able to sit down with us and justifiably say, well, look what happens when we do that. We're totally Mm. exposed without Godfrey and Holgate holding the back four together and keeping us solid. We're likely to concede. uh, And we looked uh, on Saturday as though Newcastle could have scored four or five. So, had we played with that lineup, which, as I say, I think Evertonians would have thought was probably more likely to get us a victory on Wednesday night, we may have been sat here with no points out of those Mm. two games. So it's difficult to say, isn't it? Listen, I I always say difficult to argue with somebody with Ancelotti's CV. You know, we can sit here and watch from afar. In hindsight, uh, you could say, well, we should have played Dina left-back. We should have had a Wobie play and we should have pushed on. The Charleston should have been given a bit more freedom to go forward. But they were all the things that I was saying on Wednesday night after the game. But having watched that performance on Saturday, I have to say the manager who sees them in training every day doesn't have the confidence or the faith to actually go out and try and beat a Leicester, despite the fact that Vardy was missing. Uh, And I think, you know, the, the fact of the matter is we've probably got a top six first 11 and a mid-table squad.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: And that's why this season, for me, you know, is still progress. Uh, Somebody reminded me a couple of days ago, December last season, we were 18th in the league, Liverpool had just beat us 5-2. So, big steps forward, I think, but still a fair way to go before we can genuinely consider ourselves to be top four, maybe even top six contenders this season.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And what you're both saying there is absolute. It's totally spot on, and I think the there's, I mean, acceptance is probably the wrong word, but there's certainly an understanding at the moment. Like you say, the the start eleven is is very good. We can compete. I think with all sides in the Premier League on our day, we we've shown that. I think you know a fair bit this season against the better sides that we've certainly got a system and and personnel in our in our first choice eleven to compete. That 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 is for sure. Um, there's certainly a, a, a lot of fours on the bench, which we'll discuss when we come on to Newcastle shortly. Um, but back, back onto, the, onto the Leicester game, the, the funny thing was, as much as we sort of sat there, especially second half um, and then at one point went back to that, that sort of back five and what have you, we win that game if a certain individual doesn't make three mistakes <laughs> in a space, space of a minute. And, that, and, and We never we we say this all the time. I are not here to sort of criticise players, but I think it's important to give you opinion on what actually happened because three incidents occurred, which led led to a goal. Um, The first one being Pickford tipped the ball around the post. The ball was going about two or three yards wide. That's the first the first point. Whether or not because it was slippy, it was wet. You know, he's being overly cautious. He thought, "I'll just get this away," you know, but. No, no way, we know where your posts are, and you just let it go past the post. The second one was the, the corner that comes in. He comes out, doesn't get anywhere near the ball. And then the third one is obviously we see the shot. And and to be fair, probably for me, the, the, the shot was potentially the, the, the least uh, worst of the three because it's come through about four or five, six players. It was difficult. It was wet. He should have got a better hand, make no mistake about it. But that was probably the most difficult part of it. There's three things that have gone on, Lee, there. And if it wasn't for, it wasn't for that incident, we still win the game. Yeah, potentially.
2: Potentially. Um, I mean, who's used to say Leicester still wouldn't have put it on us and, and we would have conceded in another manner. But you're right. I mean, yeah, Jordan, he's a great shot stopper. He's made some fantastic saves, you know what I mean, for us. We know that. His lapses in concentration is probably his biggest weakness, as well as maybe his stature command and command in his box a little bit as well. But um yeah, he's made three cock ups there. Um and he, even it's come through a load of bodies, he should he should still save that for me. I mean, you know, you look at De Gea saves a lot with his feet. He could probably save that with his feet more easily than with his hands, because it was kind of one of those low between his sort of his feet his feet and his hand when he had to get down to it and he didn't obviously want to parry it out into the danger zone, probably try to get it around the post and completely cocked it up. But I just it was more the point, kind of what Frank was saying, is more that how Carlo just thought, right, okay let's just completely sit off of straight away. Let's stop Luca Dean sitting. You know, Luca Dean was a threat in that first half, albeit we didn't create loads, because he was high and wide. And they were, they, you know, he was an outlet ball for us, as it proved with a goal. And then straight away, second half, he, as I said, he just pretty much dropped into a five. Godfrey's moved inside and we've got three centre halves. And it's all, I just don't like, I don't like us seeing out games like that, you know, for that long. It was like we were down to 10 men. It was like, like, literally, like, look, and Leicester are a good team. Don't get me wrong, they've had a good season, but they're not a great team. And certainly without Vardy, you know, and you deny Vardy space in behind and he's redundant. Anyway, we all know that. he's very, He doesn't play, you know, that great with his back to goal. Um, but yeah, I just think we just gave them too much of the initiative and just try to defend like the Alamo and see it out. And that's what annoyed me really, because, you know, we scored a corner at their place. Leicester have got, I think, the worst defence in the league for corners. And uh, we had two corners. We had a set piece as well. And we we nearly scored. I mean, Richarlison had a great chance where the ball was put through to him inside the full-back, And Richarlison, there's something not right with him at the minute. He's definitely not at the races. You know, I think, you know, a few of us have said it, you know, as he has even caught COVID potentially, because he just doesn't look sharp at all. Um, He's really off it. You know, one of his biggest attributes is he's, he's a bit of a talisman, isn't he? He likes to run at players. And he's, you know, he's got a bit of pace, direct, But that ball came through to him because Stania's the wrong side. And you're thinking, get out your feet, bend it in the far corner. And he's allowed the defenders to get back goal side of him. I don't know how he's done that because Stania's quick, but he's not that quick. So he's, he's sloppy there. Then we had the corner from that. And then he had the free header, didn't he? He had the free header that, you know, he nodded it over again. You'd back him to score that. So I just felt that if we'd have just carried some sort of threat, even if we were sitting there, but we broke, we broke with intelligence, we could have had three or four set-pieces, three or four corners. You know, calvert Lewis missed a sitter at the end. Um, and I just felt, it was it, again, Carlo almost being overly cautious. But it's like you said, Frank, I think ultimately when Alan and Decore aren't playing, I think simply he just does not trust the other players in midfield. It's as simple as that, certainly in a two. We know Gomez can't really play in a two there. And we know, certainly know Sigurdsson can't play in a two because he, he, he proved that at the weekend. He was useless. And I just think he knows, like almost like you said, Frank, there, go, look, this is what we do, boys. I'll, I'll play without Alan. I'll, I'll, I'll let the reins off, if you like. And, and look what happens. We, we suddenly look like we're all over the show.
0: Yeah, and I think going back to the incident of their equaliser on Wednesday night, though, um, you know, for me, Jordan Pickford is a liability. Uh, I don't know how many points he's cost us the last couple of seasons, but uh, I'd be surprised if it's not at least a dozen. Um, and listen, if you've not got a world-class goalkeeper between the sticks, then forget about top four, forget about challenging for Cups and Championships. It's just not going to happen. Uh, and I think you know, again, part of the reason why Everton's defence sits so deep at times is because a of lack of trust of the goalkeeper, whether it be Jordan or whether it be Olsen. I don't think either of them are world class. I think the good keepers. I think, as you say, Lee Pickford's a good shot stopper. Again, he wonderful save uh, against Newcastle yesterday. But ultimately, is he the fella in the st- between the sticks who's going to take us to the next level? I'm afraid for me, I've lost patience with the guy. I think mm. he's too erratic. Uh, he does lack lack concentration. He gets over excited. Uh, he shouts and screams at times when you think there's no need for it. He, he's not that calm and influence that your goalkeeper should be given a back four. Um, and at one point, I think we would have probably said a couple of seasons ago, well, it's the back four that's the problem. You know, Pickford's got too much to do. But actually, that back four now uh, looks fabulous, doesn't it? You know, Michael Keane's come on loops and bounds. Mina is uh, starting to look like the player we all thought he was. Godfrey, fantastic. So Mm. for me, you know, one of the big things in the summer has to be go out and get a world-class keeper, uh, because that is what's going to turn Everton from uh, a side that has got potential and some opportunity to a side that can actually deliver. Don't underestimate the the importance of goalkeepers. You know, Mm. people get very excited, don't they, about strikers or dynamic midfield players, Um, but actually, you know, if you look at what Klopp did at Liverpool. You look at what Guardiola did at City; they went out and got themselves a top, top goalkeeper. And you know, I'm old enough, sadly, lads, to remember through the seventies uh, when Everton were an early team, uh, and we had Di Davis and David Lawson, and go. And that's what Liverpool had: Ray Clemens. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Lee wanted to sign Peter Shilton and was told by the board £300,000 was too much for a goalkeeper. Nottingham Forest signed Peter Shilton. Mm. We, we stick with, I think we went and got George Wood, actually, uh, and look at the difference. You know, so for me, uh, although I wouldn't say we dropped two points because of Jordan Pickford on Wednesday night, he's dropped too many clangers for him to be our number one goalkeeper next season, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, well, look, look at Emi Martinez at Villa. He's yeah. made a massive difference and yeah. they paid 25 mil for him from Arsenal. Yeah. And you've got to say, Villa, what, finished on 39 points last season? Yeah. You know, they've recruited brilliantly, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. And he's, he, yeah. you know, their manager came out the other day, Dean Smith, and said, the difference he's made to our defence is, he said, you can't you can't even put it into words. He said, they yeah. like you just said, the back four just feel
0: completely solid with him behind us. Yeah, and we possibly missed a trick there, not going in to get him. I, think. I, I think so. But he wants the kid wants to get, as I understand it, he wants to be guaranteed first team football, and, which is fair. You know, and yeah. we're prepared to do that, and maybe one or two others weren't as well. But but again, just you know, the final thing because like you guys, I, I don't want to be slagging any individual player off, and I certainly won't blame Jordan Pickford for Wednesday night because. Like you say, Lee, for me, the way in which we played out that game or tried to play out that game, one could have gone in off someone's arse. You know, Mm. there was that many attacks going forward for Leicester. Um, But when you talk to those guys from that 80s side and you say to them, name one player from that team who you couldn't have been without, Southall, Southall, Mm. Southall. Because even if they breached what was a fabulous midfield and defence, you then had to get past him, and again, the number of points a great goalkeeper saves you during the season—never mind doesn't lose you—can be critical. Uh, and I think when you come back to look at this season, you know some of the incidents that have been uh, replayed far too often now. But we all know what we're talking about. Uh, he, he, he's, he's just final nail in the coffin for me was, was that game on Wednesday night for Jordan Pickford. I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, agree. Is, is, is it a straightforward though, sort of looking forward? Because there was a bit of a, a surprise against Newcastle that Olsen didn't come in. Because so the way that Carlo was talking in this press conference, you know, we said he'll keep on rotating, obviously, the goalkeepers. and So you assume then that, that Olsen comes in against Newcastle. It didn't happen. Um, but do you think it's a, it's a simple Frank sort of going forward now to go, well, that's it? Now, you know, Carlo obviously put, it, put his faith in Pickford. I, you know, I can't particularly sit here and blame him for, for the goals against Newcastle as such. I think he, could have, he could have done better in terms of positioning for the second goal, that's for sure. Uh, but you know, it, was a, it was a one-on-one, it was difficult. But does also now desire to get a chance starting uh, on Wednesday night against, against Leeds United?
0: Possibly. I mean, I didn't think he was going to drop him yesterday because Carlo Ancelotti thinks an awful lot about the psychology of the game. And I think when he's taken Pickford out of the side, it's usually been after Pickford's had an OK game or there certainly hasn't been an obvious mistake uh, from the keeper. So there's more likely Olsen plays on Wednesday than on Saturday for me. But, but neither of them are good enough. You know, I think they're both probably on a par with one another. Olsen comes in, I'm not sat there feeling comfortable. I'm not mm. thinking, oh, thank goodness for that we've got someone between the sticks who we can trust 100% now. Um, all goalkeepers make mistakes, of course they do. But there's too many mistakes in them too. There's just too many mistakes in them too. And you can't, as I say, go back to the point, you can't be a top-class team if you've not got a top-class goalkeeper. And, it, you know, for me, Jordan first season looked terrific, didn't he? I think we all thought we found, finally found uh, somebody who potentially could be As good as a Neville Southall or or get near. I don't think anyone's ever going to be as good as Neville Mm. Southall. But he's just gone backwards, and whether it's the England thing, the hype that surrounds the England goalkeeper shares, you know, we've seen it with Joe Hart, didn't we? Um, But whatever it is, or whether he just hasn't matured uh, as we'd all anticipated he would, whatever it is, as I say, for me, uh, I've, I've totally lost patience now, and I think it's time for us to go. And get someone who can nail that number one shirt. And again, rotation of a goalkeeper. Like, name me a championship-winning side who rotate the goalkeeper.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, for me personally, I mean, whether we can or we can't get him, I'd go all out with Carlo's connections with Milan and just try and get this Donnarumma kid because he, he's still, he's still only twenty-one, twenty-two, and he, he, his, his shot save percentage is ridiculous. You know what I mean? I mean, he is the next Buffon, isn't he? Basically, yeah. because he's he's you know he's that young and he's played that many games, uh, and he's obviously the top choice for Italy as well. Um, whether we can or not, you know he's been linked with the likes of PSG and stuff like that. So maybe maybe it's a bridge too far there. But um, you know, in looking more closer to home, even someone that I've been really impressed this season. with how Pope's played, I think Pope's played really well. Again, maybe is he that top top level that we'd want to try and get? I don't know, but you know he's not a bad age. He's, he's obviously got way more stature than Pickford. Uh he's a lot more comfortable on crosses. The only thing you'd argue is he's not great with his feet a little bit. And that's maybe why Jordan's keeping him out of the England team in a minute. But
0: yeah.
2: Um, we'll see. But, you know, other than that, you know, to summarise the game, really, it was like, I agree. I, I do think it was two points dropped. To get the double over someone we're probably going to compete with for European places was an opportunity. Uh If we'd have gone one nil down and came back to one all, then possibly slightly different. The fact we just went one up. Uh, I just think we just, we just gave them the initiative when we didn't need to. But like you said, Frank, he knows his players now, doesn't he? And he knows, he knows a, a lot of them aren't good enough, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and obviously you say that, and, and Carlo looking then at the Newcastle game ran the changes, didn't he? You know, it was the likes of Holgate so it was uh, taken out of the equation. Uh, Godfrey, which, which for me, I think I saw he had played 14 games on the spin. It's um, still a bit of a surprise for me because I know obviously Carl's looking ahead to, to another busy week. But the most important game is the game that you would use to play next, and and that for me, almost yesterday was a bit of a must-win. I think, like we said already, whether you we see it as two points dropped or being satisfied with the draw, the game against Newcastle, we had to win that. If you want to you want to be challenging for those top top six uh, places, you've got to be beating sides like Newcastle who. You know, they won one in nine, I think, before. Then I don't, I not won a game since I think the twelfth of December. Um, Steve Bruce, you know, is is on the on the verge of of losing his job, and you know that's a game that we should we should be winning. And for me, Godfrey has been absolutely superb. Wherever, wherever you've played him, I would have been quite satisfied to to put obviously Luca Dean back at left back and put Godfrey in the middle with with Michael Keane, two centre guys, and obviously I've either Hoggins or Coleman on the guys hand side. But he was taken out, protected obviously played quite a few games um, in a short space of time. Uh Iwobi came in as as well, which was which was good to see. And the Corey was also back from from suspension. And like like we, we said earlier on, we we went into that game Lee, didn't we? Looking at that side, it was a real a real attacking side. But would that have been the side that you would have gone you would have gone with? Bear in mind we had eight subs not nine two goalkeepers. Bernard and Soton on the verge of, of leaving the club as well. Um, would you have gone with that side personally or would you would you have done something of the difference um I, I'd
2: have gone slightly different I'd have gone slightly different i think um I think he would have gone with godfrey I, I, I'd have got, I would have played Godfrey by the way in midfield uh, he's played there he's played there in the lower leagues. Um, and I think it, would have been, it wouldn't have been too bad a game to give him a shot there, really. I know it's obviously, you know, his prime position is centre-back, but he's proved how good he is at left-back. For me, Dean has to come back in the team in that, in that side, because what he gives us going forward is he's, he's our most creative outlet, Luca Dean. He's a fantastic crosser of the ball. He's a lovely footballer, great technician, arguably one of the best left-backs in Europe, as we've said before, never mind the Premier League. Um, and I just think with that, without Alan playing, we do lack that bite in midfield. Now, Decorey's come back in. Obviously, Decorey, for me, just has just gradually got better as he's got Fister throughout the season. And obviously, we want him to be this box to box player uh, and, try, and try and get, you know, if he can, get double figures in goals each season. Um, and I just, I just felt it, if we'd have played Godfrey alongside him to allow him to free him up and put him in a six, sit him in front of the defence. One thing I've been impressed with him by is, is obviously his pace is phenomenal. But he's, he's, he's aggressive, isn't he? He loves a tackle. He loves to get stuck in. And I, I could imagine him quite, you know, and I think he's not bad technically either. I can imagine him breaking up play there, winning. Because, you know, Callum Wilson caused us all sorts of problems. He was dragging our centre halves everywhere, making that run down that channel every single time, holding the ball at winning free kicks. You know, we, we, we gave away, I mean, Carlo has said it himself, we gave away double figures in corners. You know what I mean? Um and I and I said to you, Mike, before the game, everyone was thinking, "Yeah, well, we'll, we'll walk over Newcastle." You know, look at the BT pundits. You know, Jay Humphrey, yeah, four nil prediction. Leon Osman, three nil prediction. Everyone thought we were just going to steamroll them. But I, I caught the end of their game the other day against Newcastle. Uh, sorry, against Leeds. And um, Steve Bruce reverted. He's been playing a back five for this losing run, basically. The best part of ten games, been basically parking the bus against everyone and getting slaughtered for it by the Newcastle fans. They were 1-0 down against Leeds. Um, and also, we all know Leeds like to play attacking footy. And he just went, right, hell for level, let's go for it. Brought St. Maximum in, brought Almiron in, and went, right, back four, let's have a go. And they had 22 shots against Leeds. And so they basically just went, went for it. You know, almost the last hurrah for Bruce, thinking, I'm going to get potentially sat there, I might as well have a go. <laughs> you. So, you know, and he did the same against us. They pressed <laughs> us really high up the pitch. Everyone thought they were just going to camp in we were going to have 70% of the ball. And it was going to be a case of us breaking them down, but it wasn't. You know, they literally came, they, they came there to try and take the points. And, you know, Callum Wilson, I mean, I, I just he's a new Les Ferdinand, isn't he? He just, we make it, we make him look like Ronaldo every time he plays against us. It's just, I don't get it. He, he's a good player and he's, he, he holds the ball up well. He's pacey, but, you know, he's, he's nothing more than that. I said to you, Mike, he'd scored. Since we last played him at their place where he got another brace, Um. He scored two goals in, in, in what, since the middle of November. One of them was a pen and one of them was an outfield goal. So he scored one outfield goal in like 12 or 14 games or something like that. And then he came to our place. And like I said, we, we've made him look like Ronaldo and he scored two goals and probably should have got a hat-trick hit the post. With so, yeah, I just think, I think he could have played, in answer to your question, he could have played Godfrey there. I'd have potentially even gone with Holgate. I, I love Seamus. We all love him, but I just think I think I think his days are are gone now, and he, he he's never had a great final ball on him, um, and he got in some good position second half, and he didn't he didn't make the most of it. And I think Holgate's got a bit more more of a cross on him, to be honest. But yeah, yeah I'd I'd have just I'd have just tweaked it maybe with that, and you know put put Godfrey in there, and I think he would have played Godfrey there in the cup, by the way. If it wasn't for the fact that Luca Dean was missing that day, I think he may have even tried him there and that and used it as a an opportunity to see how he plays in there. I don't know what you think, Frank, would you have played Godfrey in the middle or you think that's a
0: pretty to be heart? honest I, I i would have selected the team he selected, bar probably Zigerson uh, i'd'd'd I'd I'd maybe played Gomez alongside Decore. um that is probably before the game the only change I'd have made. I'd have thought that we'd have had enough. Uh, with that 11 to turn Newcastle over. The one thing as an Evertonian I was scared about was the fact that they haven't won for 11 games. You know, if you've got a long run without a victory, go to Goodison Park. That's the place you want to go to. How many times have we seen that over the years? But no, I think the players let him down yesterday. Uh, There was no energy. um, There was no momentum. We never seemed to get going. There was a lot of lethargicness about the side. Um you know his question sometimes I think lost in translation spirit I don't think he meant in the way that we would necessarily mean it but there was certainly as I say a lack of urgency a lack of energy no pace in that midfield mm-hmm. which is perhaps where Godfrey would have made a difference uh, I certainly take your point there Lee but I have to confess it wasn't something I'd considered before the conversation now Holgate, I thought, might have got a shout in that position because he's played there before. But, you know, I think that if you looked at Wednesday night and then you looked at Saturday, you thought, well, what were we really missing on Wednesday? It was that outbore. It was that ability for the fullbacks to go past the wingers and get crosses into the box. And, you know, although Seamus's final ball isn't always the best, he usually hits the first man. So you get corners. Um, he wasn't doing that yesterday. Dina, I thought, was poor. Uh, mm. You know, his final balls weren't good again. He didn't look as though he was at it as much. I wonder whether he's match fit coming back after that lengthy injury. In fact, he wasn't out as long as we'd anticipated. And has he come back too soon? You just don't know. But none of them looked at the racers. Um and, and you know, clearly Hanez was getting more and more frustrated. He was virtually on our eighteen yard line, wasn't he, when he was picking the ball up on occasion. Nothing about yesterday's performance looked like an Everton performance from this season. You know, it was probably our worst, uh 90 minutes. And we've had a few shockers, but I think mm-hmm. that one yesterday was the worst simply because the the opposition aren't great. Uh, and with Yuli, I don't think um, Wilson is that good a player I think he's a you know he, he's probably he's better than Towson isn't he he's having him on the bench yeah, but also he yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah. You, you certainly wouldn't be playing every game um, and we made him look like a world beater they lost the skipper I thought that might have given us some impetus to, to start to yeah. take a bit of control of the game but the man who looks totally different player at the moment and not for the right reasons it is Richarlison. Mm. Uh, he's stank the place out for a number of weeks now. Uh, he's, he's overrunning the ball. He's, he's looking frustrated in himself. And whether or not that's because he's not match fit, whether he's got a little niggle, whether it's because he's being asked to do too much going backwards towards his own goal, to cover for Seamus or even to support Holgate on Wednesday night. He did an awful lot of defending. The one thing you can't take away from Richarlison is his work rate. Mm. Um, but, you know, we are totally reliant on the moment, I feel, uh, to get a goal on Calvert-Lewin. You know, the, or, or a set-piece. Or, or, or a set-piece or a worldie, yeah. as we yeah. seen on Wednesday from James. Yeah. Richarlison, last couple of seasons, being our leading goal scorer, I think he's got four in the Premier League this season. And it's less than that. I think it's, you two, know, is it? it's two, wow. yeah, two
1: in the league. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. And, and so, you know, that's a big gap, isn't it, in terms of what we've been expecting from him. And that then puts more pressure on Calvert-Lewin, who now will be starting to get a little bit uh, anxious, I guess. Uh, Because seven games in the Premier League without a goal for him. So all over the park yesterday, I I was just, you know, shaking my head, I'm sure, like most Evertonians. Uh, And Ancelotti's comments afterwards, I think, a bit refreshing, wasn't it, to hear a manager being honest? There was none of this trying to wrap it up, saying, oh, well, you know, they had a game on Wednesday. Or, oh, Newcastle have come and played really well. He said that how it was. You know, There just was not enough spark in that team, and we got what we deserved. In fact, it could have been worse. Wilson could have and should have had a hat-trick, and there was a couple of other chances there that I thought they should have put away. So, in a sense, we could have been sat here today talking about a humiliation at the hands of a very poor Newcastle side. He's got to switch things around again on Wednesday, and I think Godfrey and Holgate have probably come back into the team, guys.
1: Mm. I think the thing, I mean, the funny thing was I said to you, didn't I, Lee, and, and Pete during the game, I thought we started okay. I thought we looked all right. I mean, we look at the chances that we had. Me and are unlucky with the header where the keepers, he's beat the keepers to yeah. the ball. You, you've got the chance that uh, Calvert-Lew, lovely little flick to Hammers, uh, which obviously play, he, he played with the outside of his, his left foot saved by the keeper. Richardson, you know, when, when he cut inside on his right foot and Comfortable for the goalkeeper, but another chance, and you think, okay, Richardson for the first ten or fifteen. I thought he started the game brighter than what we've seen in recent weeks. His recent weeks, he's not been anywhere near the level. And then as as the half went on, there was a few things I got for By the way, I thought he lost he lost total control at one point. I the got There were certain things he was he was missing. You know, the the Lascelles one on Sigurdson for me. They 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 got the free kick. It was quite clearly a second yellow card. He should have been sent off. You know there was there was things like that. Hammers was being targeted constantly by Shelby. He took up, you know, he got booked eventually. You know, but it was you know maybe that's just me, just me looking looking for reasons as to, as to why it didn't no, go I, I, well. Out a shocker,
2: mate, he did have a shocker. Let's yeah. have it right. The referee was dreadful. You yeah. um, right, Hammers was getting stamped on every. You know, they were just leaving their foot in. The players know you played footy. You know what you know when you leave your foot in after the ball's gone. You know, and you stamp on their foot or their Achilles or whatever. And they were just doing that every time. Because what Hammers did is close control is so good. But he obviously hasn't got the pace to sort of pull away from players. But he, he's got a lovely little shimmy or a shift a body shift. And he just, he just gets a yard every time to allow him to do what he wants to do. And they just kept on just leaving, us, leaving their foot in every time he got rid of the ball. Um, but that's where
0: you've got to have one of our players going and leaving one on Shelby.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: yeah. I, I, I don't get that at all. You know, you've got, you've got players in that team who, you know, the Charleston's got a foul in him. You know, he he can be niggly at times. You've got a couple of other... I mean, again, maybe that's where you miss Godfrey. But Mina, Keane, you know, look, these lads. Coleman, you know, these lads can can mix it up. And if you see one of your players being targeted in that way, then you've just got to get to that player who's dishing it out. And mostly it was Shelby. He wasn't the only one, but Shelby was clearly the one who needed to go and get stamped up. Uh, no. And why we haven't had somebody who said that or done that. You know, in yeah. the end, Seamus has had a little word with the ref and a booking was was delivered to, to one of their players. Can't remember which one now. But when you look at the yellow cards after the game, I think they only got one more than us. Oh, no, which, which was, was scandalous. No. But ultimately, you know, we've got, again, I'll go back to that phrase I said, here. if you want to be champion, if you want to be challenging for, for titles and for honours, You've got to look after yourself. You know, mm. sometimes referees are poor. In fact, increasingly referees are poor. And, you know, if you've got quality, class, silky players like James, then they are going to be targeted. And so you've got to have players in your team who are going to say, we're not going to be bullied. So mm. yeah, you can, you can kick him if you want, but you better be watching your back. You yeah. know, and again, you know, I hate harking back to the 80s all the time. But, you know, it, just to keep me going through the lockdown, I've watched that Howard's Way at least three times. Yeah. <laughs> and, Brilliant, yeah. You know, yeah. Marwood, Mar, Brian Marwood took Adrian Heath out in a game, which I was at in 1984. Yeah. A terrible injury to, to Inchie. Brian Marwood, I don't think he finished the game against Everton for the rest of his career. <laughs> because Peter Reed just used to go and target the little bastards and he kicked them all over the park. Brian Warwood just did not want to be anywhere near Peter Reed. And yeah. yesterday, Shelby for me looked like the school bully. And I'm not yeah. being funny. Shelby's not the hardest guy in the Premier League.
2: No. So,
0: you know, somebody should have been after him and putting studs on him early on. You know, it doesn't help there, though. And I know he's South American,
2: so you've got to kind of allow a bit of a cultural difference there. But like when Mina got a little just a handoff from yeah. Wilson. It was a handoff. It wasn't a, a full-on yeah. smash in the face job. It was yeah. a hand and he's there and he's got ice. And he's putting ice <laughs> on. Well, what message are you sending to yeah. you to his, Wilson's going, brilliant. Yeah. Great that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're a six foot four center half. Yeah. What 15 stones and like that and I've just nicked you with my fingers and you've got ice on your cheek. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've got to you just got to get straight up there and go, come yeah. on, then, do that again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 that's Yeah, you're right. Sometimes that's just about you know basically standing up to the guy you know the guy you're marking or the guy you're playing against, and that's why I'd have said that maybe it's a hindsight thing. That's why one thing I've liked about Godfrey is that he he's aggressive and he's quick, and he has played pretty much a season. I think he played a season at Shrewsbury, albeit obviously in the lower leagues at uh, centre playing defensive mid. And you know I'd have just said, look, stay in there and put out fires. Just put out fires, and obviously Shelby's left one on him. When he gets it, just go straight through him. Take a bucket. You know
0: I mean? Oh Just yeah, go straight for
2: him. and he and he do it. You can see he's a, yeah. he's, he's, he's he's got a build on him as well
0: he? he's a yeah. thick set lad. He's only going to fill out even more probably as well. You know what I mean? So oh, you would you wouldn't want to take a tackle off him, but he, but equally, Lee, I think Carlo would have looked at that game yesterday and thought, you you know, we won't have many fires to put out. Yeah, you know, yeah, sure. you know, if we if we were sort of blaming the tactics on Wednesday night for giving the opposition the initiative, you've got to blame the players yesterday mm. uh, because. Uh, For me, as I say, just just no energy around the place. They looked one paced. Passing was loose. No urgency going forward. Calvert-Lewin, again, you know, we've heard them all season, haven't we, saying how the managers told them, stay central, stay central. You noticed yesterday he was going wide. He was coming deeper. He was getting more and more frustrated, more isolated. Now, against Man City or against Liverpool, you can sort of accept that but not against Newcastle United, you know, with due respect, we should be dominating teams like that. And, you know, that was far more disappointing yesterday than, as I say, any of the other performances this season where we've let ourselves down. I thought they were there for the taking. Maybe the players did as well. And maybe yeah. they haven't switched on enough for it. There was, there was a bit, Mike, I'd I, I bring you
2: in there now. So there's a bit where I spoke to Mike that, to... I thought Hammers was probably our most likely, by the way, uh, in the game. They were pressing us high. Obviously, you know, like I said, almost like you know, they've just completely just abandoned everything, right? We'll press high and we'll take the risk. Hammers was the only one that was getting us out of tight situations. Um, you know, he was the only one that was playing the keep pass, holding on to the ball when it when it was the right time to hold on to it, winning free kicks. Um, and there was a bit where um he 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 kept hold of the ball brilliantly on, on, on the touchline, kept it in. It went away. It worked his, he worked it himself out to Luca Dean. First thing Luca Dean did was shift out of his feet and whipped across him from like 40 yards in for Calvert and nowhere, nowhere near him. And, you, and the camera cut to Hammers and he, just, he was just like, calm down. Like, calm down. Look, we've won the ball back. We've broke the press. Why don't we just keep it for a little bit and try and work, work, work a chance? You've just got the ball out of your feet and whipped in across again, you know, from 40 yards away, trying to hit a guy. With, he was marked by two players. Why don't we just push up the pitch and just pen them in a little bit and just keep it round? A bit like what City do almost. Just have let's have the ball. Let's just keep it for a little bit. Let's pen them in. And you could see he was getting, like you said, he was getting more and more frustrated. He was the only one that was keeping the ball for more than two passes. Yeah. You know, Sigurdsson was a passenger again. He was anonymous. He can't play, he can't play that role in a two. He just can't. He's not aggressive enough. He doesn't get he hasn't got the legs to get about the pitch. Um, I don't know what you think, my you, you you made that call on Sigurdsson as well, didn't you? You said he, he should there's no one near should have started in that game. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm just not a fan of You know, don't be me wrong, S- S- Sigurdsson I think, and we we all agree he's probably picked up a little bit in, in maybe recent weeks and, and he's looked a little bit better. Um and I, I don't even totally blame him because he he was brought in as a as a number ten, you know, in, in the system we play now and uh in, in under previous regimes, you could argue that. A number ten is certainly not part of the side. I mean, Hammers now does what he wants because it's Hammers Rodriguez, and he's and he's world class. Make no mistake about it. Uh, but Gylfi Sigurdsson is, is no Hammers, so he's a bit of a waste of a waste of a position for me. That's where you, you know you rather, like you said before, Frank. You know Gomez start that game. Certainly when when Alan comes back, it's Alan de and Hammers is the three. If you like Hammers at the top of that of that of that triangle, um, but that the. the the, the point over Luca Dean there, and when when he throws that crossing, and Hammers is saying to to calm down, that just epitomised the whole performance for me. You'd expect maybe Seamus Coleman to to put that kind of crossing, and and maybe show a lack of composure from you know uh, going forward there, but not Luca Dean, and it's just, it's, it just it just it was pure. I don't, I don't even know why. You know the, the first half, the the game was evenly balanced at nil nil. You know, we, we had a, had a few decent chances. We were certainly well in the game and should be looking to go on to win that game. And Luca Dean is, is throwing in this, this this cross which is going nowhere and you just think like Hamas was saying, just relax, calm down, let's play a bit of football. You've got the quality there to do it. And I don't know I don't know what, what happened that I couldn't even say say to you yesterday what the, the real the real reason was. We touched on Carlo mentioning spirit, spirit, whether it's spirits, whether it's Motivation, mentality, whatever, whatever way we, we, we want to word it. Um, but at the end of the day, playing against Newcastle United in that manner is unacceptable. You know, we, we have these performances and I understand all sides, especially in the current situation where there's no fans there, so home and away doesn't really count. That performance rattled me yesterday, and you, you know, Lee, I, I just totally switched off. Um, sort of when, when the final whistle blew, that was me done with social media, discussing football watching, watching any kind of football last night it just wasn't going to happen I just didn't even see the results from yesterday until I think I spoke to you today this morning Like, I just didn't want anything to do with it and that's the best way to deal with it because I think at times you know especially in the current climate there's, there's a lot more important things going on in the world that's for sure and, you know uh, get, getting hyped up and worked the whole football there's no real need for it but, it's What it does to us, we're all football fans, it, it impacts us, of course. But when you see some of the things that were that uh, are caught up on this morning that people were tweeting last night, I just thought, Jesus Christ, you know, someone was saying Fabian Delph was needed in the, mid- in the midfield yesterday. I'm sitting there going, what, 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 what's, well, the best, what's going on? The best one I saw was uh, was
2: was. Was Ancelotti being compared to Allardyce? He's no better than Allardyce. I um, <laughs> saw a few of those and I was just like, wow, he's just Allardyce, but with a, with, with an Italian name. You know I mean? <laughs> like, right, OK, it's crazy. It's crazy. look at the trophy cabinets. That's all you need to do, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, for me, Carlo doesn't, Carlo's very, very clever with the press. He's very clever. They all love him. He's got a meeting out of his hand. They absolutely love him. And he's very clever in the fact he just never gives much away, does he never shows much emotion, never gets too carried away after a win or a loss. and yeah. You know, just basically, he's, he's very, very clever. Like you said, Frank, he's, he's a, you know, he's a king of the mind, the, the, uh, the psychology side of the game. He's a very clever, clever, astute guy. And that's the most miffed off I've seen him, actually, for a while. And he was a bit miffed off a couple of times at lockdown at the end of last season, after we lost to Wolves and all that. But I think that's the most miffed off I've seen. I think he, he even... It was his way of kind of saying, yeah, you just weren't up for it today and I'm, and I'm calling you out. And that's my kind of my, my way of saying it. Um, and I go back to the Leicester game. Not only was it an opportunity lost in terms of essentially getting the three points, but and, and, and I know it sounds a little bit sort of small mind syndrome, but we'd have gone above Liverpool with that result as well. And that gives the players a psychological boost. We're more than halfway through the season. We've gone above them. And then you go into the Newcastle game, going right with a different mentality. Then you're going in, going right. We've won that game.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, we could have won that game quite easily, two 0 Leicester. I think if we'd have been a bit more attacking. And then we go into the Newcastle game, and then you know the, the likelihood is it's a slightly different result because players' mindsets are, are that much different. Yeah. Um, and then you know, all of a sudden you, you you go in with that mindset, but you know the season's still. You know what? what like you said there, Mike. Twenty four hours gives you time to reflect, but. And the season, you know, is still, is still there for the taking. But let's be honest, with the players that are going out, the unlikelihood that we're going to get players in, I think a top six finish now would, you know, you'd take it when you'd you take it all day because it's, it's his first full proper season. He's had one transfer window. And, you know, if anything, we're ahead of schedule, really, with some of the, some of the results we've managed to pull out of the bags.
0: Yeah. I did, well, before the season started, I'd have certainly settled for top eight if you'd have been able to see a a style of play develop uh, a switch in culture uh, and, you know, a development of the squad. And I think he ticks the box on all three, the manager, doesn't he? You know, the style of play, clearly he's a clever guy. He can adapt the play when he needs to. He can shore things up. He's got that Italian mindset when he needs to sit deep and he's got discipline within that side in terms of his tactical mouse and giving players a job to do and expecting them to do it. He's improved the squad. The signings he's made have all been top drawer. I don't think any of us would complain about any of them. Godfrey has been the obvious standout for me. hames <clears throat> might take all the headlines, but in ter- in terms of Everton's future, there's a, there's a future skipper for me. Uh, mm. And, you know, such a young kid as well. Eyebrows raised at the fee we paid for him, but I think he's a bargain. So, you know, signings so far in, Brilliant. Uh, And then you come to that final thing, which is the culture of the club. Uh, And again, I think, you know, we've often complained as Evertonians, haven't we, that the hierarchy, including the manager, haven't been ambitious enough. You certainly can't say that about Ancelotti. So for me, you know, had you said eighth place and all those other boxes ticked this season, another transfer window, and then we can push on. You also wonder, because he is a mind, you know, he's a bit of a head player, isn't he, Carlo? Whether he was trying to send a bit of a message to the board yesterday with his substitute bench. The mm. fact that he's saying to the board, we haven't even got enough subs that I've got confidence in to put them on the bench. And I've had to pick two goalkeepers. Um, I don't know. Uh, might mm. be totally wrong. But there's enough players within that Everton squad to fill a bench. Yeah. So, you know, as I say, you, you wonder what the, the rationale behind that was if there wasn't some uh, sublime messaging going on. The other thing is, and it would be interesting to get, to get your view on this, Mike Lee, is that, you know, we, we're we not in a position where we have been the last few seasons, where we've had to go and buy something in January to get us out of trouble so we haven't had to panic buy. And there's nothing out there available other than maybe, funnily enough, Jekko, who I think would mm-hmm. do a short-term job for us. But there's nothing out there that I've thought, oh, I wish we could go and get them. I don't know about you guys. If you've picked anyone up there, if you've thought, oh, if we'd sign them, that could kick us on for the rest of the season. And I'd rather us keep the money in the bank than go and panic buy, to be honest. Yeah. Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, we had a chat in with us morningly about this. It was, and funny enough, the name that was brought up was, was Edin Dzeko. He was mm-hmm. the only name that was brought so. up. Yeah. Obviously there was a strong links to, to Xerxes, who's got to Palmer. That's all, all boxed mm-hmm. off. Um, I think the, the, the issue there with us and him um was the fact that Palmer could guarantee him first team football. Yeah. Evan had said he'd be playing second fiddles at Calvert Lewin. And also, what would he seriously offer? Uh, or what would he seriously give us in terms of helping us out for the for the remaining fifty percent of the season? We don't yeah. know. Jacko's slightly different. We know as he says he's 33, Jako 34. Um, knows the Premier League. Um, he's a big lad. He, he, he's strong if you need if you need a goal, 10, 15 minutes to go. He's, he's a player who could come on and um and, and do a job. Make no mistake about it. So if he fancies it on loan for six months, yeah, I'd probably go and get Jako in in a heartbeat, to be fair, because it takes that. And uh, all the weight off Calvert Lewin's shoulders because at the moment, Tosson's gone to Besiktas. Obviously, Ellis Sims, who was nowhere near the level, nothing against him, young kid, on loans at Blackpool, spot on, took totally the right thing for, for the kid to go and do. Um, Richardson, we know, can play centrally, but he's certainly not, not far on all cylinders. So we've definitely got a shortage there. But like you say, Frank, it's so important that if we do bring someone in, whether it be Zheko or anyone else, They've got to offer the squad and the side something. There's no point just padding the squad out for Absolutely. the sake of it and spending silly money on wages. Uh, what, what, what do you think, Lee? Do you, do you agree with that or do you think something different? Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think Xerxes was, was, wouldn't have been the right call because he'd have been another Moyes Keane type, never played in the Premier League, you know what I mean? And and, and and it would have been you know a few minutes here, a few minutes there for his development. So I don't think that would have worked out. I think a loan signing like a Jako wouldn't be a bad idea. Jako for me falls in that sort of like Giroud type category. You know what I mean? Someone that's a obviously a proven goal scorer. He's you know got a lot of caps internationally. He's played in the Premier League, like you said, and he's scored goals. Um, and he's not too dissimilar to Calvert-Lewin's profile, and the, other than the fact he hasn't got probably Calvert-Lewin's pace or athleticism. But Calvert-Lewin could probably learn a few things off him as well in terms of just you know ho- you know holding up the ball and and movement and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, there's rumours that obviously the club are trying to get someone through, but um, maybe Carla was sending a message. I mean, I've been sort of talking about, maybe it's a bit sort of rose-tinted glasses, but I've been talking about on a few different pods recently about obviously potentially Isco um, in midfield purely because he just offers that, that something different. Like, for example, replace uh, Sigurdsson with Isco yesterday, for example. <laughs> yeah. you know, he, He's a ball carrier, Isco, and, and I know he's not fully fit in Madrid but um, he's still only 27, 28. I'm not saying go and sign the lad. I'm just saying let's let's take him on loan with a view to sign him because Madrid will want to offload it. Um, and, you know, a fully fit Isco is, 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 is what I would say what the, that midfield lacks a little bit as well as a ball carrier. You know, you look at, again, I, I keep on saying Villa, um, who are one of the best teams to watch in the league, certainly at the minute. Uh, I'm not saying they're tearing up trees they're around a similar position to us in the league, but you look, you look at, they've got two really good ball carriers in, in, in Grealish and, and Barkley. And and that allows the pit team to get at the pitch because they'll just take it and they'll go past players and they'll, you know, they, they won't just, they're not just looking for a pass as soon as they get it. They'll carry the ball 30, 40, 50 yards and take you into a, in, in, into, into another part of the pitch, into transition. And someone like Gisko there for me, he was a very good with traveler with the ball. He's a very good passer of the ball, different profile to James. The problem is with those two in the same side is that you, you've got that sort of two shall we call semi-luxury players. But I think that lifts the squad as well. If I'm in training now and I'm thinking, you know, and someone like him comes in and start and starts showing what he's got, which we all we all know is, you know, undoubted ability, you know, certainly one of the best midfielders in the world a few years ago. You're then thinking, right, OK, I need to, you know, I, I need to show, show, show this guy what I can do. Um, so may, maybe that's a bit sort of, like I said, a bit far-fetched and a bit rose-tinted. But I, I just think that or either someone, you know, someone like Leon Bailey's been linked quite heavily over in Germany, you know, someone that Jamaican kid who's young. Again, we might go for him in the summer, it's likely, it's unlikely they'll get rid of him in, in, in January. But he's rapid, left footed, plays off the right, runs at players for fun, has shots from everywhere. And you mentioned it before early on with your point, Frank, where's the pace in the team at the minute? You know what I mean? And and he that's certainly someone he's got pace. Look at the problems Harvey Barnes gave us the other day. In a few flashes, because he just gets the ball and goes, "I'm running at you, I'm going <laughs> to run at you, and, and if you foul me, you foul me." Or, yeah. You know, and and I just think we—that's one thing that Carlo—he's not stupid. I think he'll probably address that in the summer. You know, we haven't really got a direct runner with the ball, or certainly, we haven't got many players who travel with it. I think Awobi's probably the closest we've got to that, yeah. And he's shown that in flashes. Um, didn't have his best game the other day. He got taken off personally. I'd have taken off Sigurdsson ahead of ahead of Awobi uh, personally because um, Iwobi has got that ability just to spot a pass as well, but time will tell. We've only got one day now, haven't we? Is it tomorrow? Is it finishes tomorrow, does it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's looking
0: unlikely, isn't it? I mean, Isco is a good call, actually. Uh, Arden, yeah. uh, I know we've been linked with him, haven't we, earlier in the window, and then it went quiet. He will be, I think, a good addition. Um, similar reasons to Jacko as well. You know, he, he would add something to 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 the the squad not just in terms of his ability that he could bring into the side, but also, you know, you've mentioned it yourself, um, that little bit of a fill that he gives give to the rest of the squad because he is such a good player. So even in training, you know, he'd, yeah. be, uh, he'd be adding that little bit of spice. I remember as well, you know, Howard saying that whenever there was a transfer window, he liked to bring somebody in just to freshen things up, you know, a new personality, a new face. Um, can actually help things I just think at the moment given where we are with this bloody fair play thing and wages uh, and given the fact that we've had our fingers burned so many times in January transfer windows there will be a reluctance won't there um, to, to go out and spend anything like big money so you are looking to get quality in or low. To see if it could become a permanent thing. With GECO, it probably would just be six months, wouldn't it? And then yeah uh, off you pop. may maybe a different kettle of fish. But nobody's spending big, are they? Nobody's no. going out and smashing it this time round. And again, they're all struggling financially because of the COVID thing. You know, so all yeah. the clubs, let's not forget. Uh I know we all think Premier League football clubs are bottomless pits, but they're all feeling the squeeze now. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to see one in, but I'd be surprised. After I have to say, I mean, brands Brand has taken. I saw Brands got an absolute
2: kick in uh, on social media again. <laughs> he always does. You know, he always gets. He, he always does on social media. I think Brands has done a very good job. Personally, yeah. I've been impressed with him. You know, we 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 did a, a pod a few weeks ago and we talked about the job he's done. He's, he's been involved in over eighty transfers, for God's sake. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the vast majority of those exits, you know, yeah. away from the club. You know, it, we've had previous regimes. When he came in, we had an absolute Frankenstein squad, overly bloated, different managers signing, different profiles of players. He's had to come in and sort that mess out, first mm. and foremost. And I'd say the vast majority of players he's brought in um, have been decent signings. Mm. You know what I mean? Things like Luca Dean spring to mind, obviously the signings under Carlo. I know Carlo would have had an input on that as well. Mm. Um, but I'd say the vast majority have been good signings. Uh, you just said it yourself, Frank. You know, we all turned our nose up a little bit how much we paid for Godfrey at the time, thinking well, I didn't really see him stand out too much for Norwich. And they went down <laughs> and, and look at him. He's, be, you know, like you said, he's a future captain. Mm. If you sold him right now, you'd get 40 million for him. Oh, you yeah. I mean, just purely on his age and, and everything else. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I think I think Brands has had a hell of a job. And I think he's finally now with the likes of, you know, these three or four sort of players going out this window. You mentioned yourself, Mike Tosin. It looks like Bernard's on his way. Not quite worked out for him. I quite like Bernard, but he just didn't really show it often enough. And the Premier League's probably a little bit too physical for him. But um, you know, Bernard going and a few others going out as well. Kenny's going to Celtic by the looks of it. Uh, it's just for that recently. It's
1: confirmed. Yeah, he's just been confirmed on loan. John Joe Kenny. to so Everton couldn't couldn't agree a permanent deal apparently with Bernie because that was that was uh, the link. It was like nine was million not it. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a wasn't, wasn't big money, but like Frank just said, you know, everyone's feeling the pinch at the moment. There's, there's no one doing any kind of, you know, major deals, you know, if, if any deals involving transfer fees, a lot of loan deals going on at the moment. Um, like we've said, obviously, Sheng Tottenham to Besik, that's John Joe Kenny to Celtic, Bernard going across, uh, is it El Nazar? uh Laisl, he's he's off going to be off the books. Alassie eventually now has has gone. I think we said to you yesterday we're paying forty percent of his wage still, but that's a big wedge off the books. We're, we're saving a lot of money here on on the weekly outgoings wage wage wise. So I think the the more the more bodies we see leave the club today yeah. tomorrow, the more call going to be, especially after after obviously Saturday's game. Um and obviously it's always when you lose like that so close to a transfer window deadline, there's always more course to get someone through the door, <laughs> yeah. it? uh, yes. It's always it's always the way. Um but you know, t- time is time is short. Um but let's see, let's see, you know, we, we are getting a lot of money off the books there. So w- whether we can get someone in on loan we'd say no kind of loan fee and pay so much of the wage, maybe so. But like we've said, they've got to offer something to that squad. Don't just don't just get a body in for the sake of it. Um, but if, if we don't, I can see us having having three goalkeepers on the bench uh, against Leeds on on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring,
2: bring on Olsen and play him up front, mate. Yeah, me, within, yeah, we a maybe few so. crosses there.
1: No, me, I just yeah. think with
2: Brands going back to Brands, he's finally probably got it now with the exit of some of the sort of deadwood, if you like. He's probably finally gearing up to a summer now, isn't it? You know, everyone keeps on talking about have we got a plan? Have we got a plan? Why are we not, not doing with the likes of what Leicester have done and others who are kind of like signing, signing players at the right profile and then selling them on for a big profit? and I think he's finally now got rid really of shifted a load of that deadwood, as you said, my, a big chunk of wages off the books, and them, priming themselves for a, for a summer. I think what he'll want to try and do again is almost tie some of them up pre-summer like he tried to do with Gabrielle at obviously Arsenal. And it's a well-known fact. They said at the AGM, didn't they, that was a done deal if it wasn't for COVID. I yeah. think there was another player as well. Apparently, they said that would have tied up as well mm. in February, March time. So, you know, yeah. by all accounts, Gabriel was over here and had his medical even hadn't he uh, yeah. in, in February. So, you know, uh, we've missed out there because because of the mm. pandemic. But I just think I think the finally now Brand is getting it into a position we, where we can wipe that slate mm. clean of the previous regimes and almost now right. Let's now try and sign players in that sort of Godfrey sort of profile bracket. Um, and see, you know, we all know where we need to improve, you know, we need a new right back, we need a winger, we need another forward we need another midfielder as well, but you know, you're not going to get all that sorted no. out um, overnight, Bless. but I do think a clever loan signing now probably would help us maybe make that last push for for Europe um, you know, if we did get somehow get into the Champions League, because there is a possibility of getting in there, we can maybe attract a different profile of player, but I think if you were to honestly ask Carlo even if he did sign three or four players in the summer, I do think he thinks that team would probably not quite be competitive enough in the Champions League. Um, you know, we all know, look, Klopp, how long did it take Klopp? It took him three or four years to, to mold yeah, that team, didn't he? You know I mean? Yeah,
0: you've, you've got to have patience, haven't you, with the guy. I think as much as, as Brands is is uh, doing a good job, the fact is he's now got a Hollywood manager who can attract players. Yeah. So it's not pie in the sky when you mention players like Isco. You know, Rodriguez, come on. You know, he's not signing for Allardyce, is he? So, you know, you've got that situation now where you've got the manager in situ, you've got Brands who clearly knows what he's doing. The one disappointing thing from Marcel Brands at the AGM, nothing at all to do with transfer policy. But when he said, you know, we should have ex-players in the academy and we should have ex-players doing the coaching. and we should, I mean, that to me, you know, if you go back to changing the culture of Everton Football Club, that's one of the things that needs to change. I don't mm-hmm. care who they play for. If they're the best, go and get them. If they play for yeah. Liverpool, go and get them. If they're the best coaches, go and get them. And the one thing that, unless I'm missing something, I'm not a great follower of the academy and the under-23s and so on, but there's no one knocking on the door from what I can see. Mike mm-hmm. mentioned the kid Ellis before. He's gone out to Blackpool, okay, maybe. Um But again, there's a bit of a conveyor belt starting to develop now, isn't there? At Anfield, there's a few kids that have been brought in, haven't let themselves down massively. City, you know, Foden being the standout, but there's a few kids coming through the city. And I just think that that if Brands is going to have a major impact on Everton Football Club, then once he gets the first team right or nearly right, and I think he could do that in the next transfer window. I hope that he turns his attention to the academy because, as I say, I'm not seeing enough people coming through that. You know, we, we've been proud, hasn't we, in recent times when we haven't had an awful lot to shout about. We've also been able to point to kids coming through, making Premier League debuts, either getting a place in the team, moving on for money, even if it's in a lower division club. Uh, you, you guys probably follow this close than, than I do. Am I missing something there? Is the are the lads who within the next season or two could be coming through?
1: Uh, I think I mean David Onsworth's coming for quite a bit of, of criticism really from from certain certain quarters. I think the the fact that the under 23s you know had won the league or won the Premier League Cup and you know that was seen as a success is it really because of the 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 success of, of any development side, like you said, Frank, it's getting, getting players through to the, to the, to the first team, you know, and that, that, that's a success winning uh, a, a sort of second rate development league is not really a, a, a signature of someone's success and Unsworth is coming for a stick for, for, for certain people I know, uh, Andy El Pavotti who comes on, he, he's quite a, a big critic of, of the whole system. Brands has started a bit of an overhaul in terms of that department. Um, like you say, we, we've we've got a, a great tradition over the years of, of bringing these these kind of players through, and wh- whether they they make it with us or they make it in football, you know, it's it, it is quite a proud tradition. You know, Ross Barkley is a prime example. Wayne Mooney, uh, even you know, like the John Joe Kenny people like that are still making the, the name in football. Yeah, um, we've always done well, but like you say, what the, the, the better side. Don't always have to go out and spend hundreds of millions of pounds to, to assemble a squad, they can bring players through to save them hundreds of millions of pounds, you know. And whether we've got that in the pipeline at the moment, who knows? I mean, we've seen very little of the likes of Thierry Small as an example, uh, Yango, Yango, another one The the two lads who, who made the debut against Sheffield Wednesday, along with the go- most
2: highly rated, aren't they? Those two, I mean, I think by all accounts, it, Carlo's been calling. Thierry Small and Onyango into training with the first team. You know, obviously they both came on. Great moment for them in the cup the other day. This mm. Thierry Small's highly rated. He's only 16. He obviously, the youngest player to play for us now. Um, you know, we brought him in since he was 11. He's obviously not from the area. He's, he's basically lived around here. You know, since he was 11 years old, apparently. And you look at him. He looks an athlete. He's gonna. He's gonna be. He's gonna be. He's gonna be a, a, a real talent by the looks of it. Bayern Munich, the likes of that have been linked with him. We can't offer him a professional contract yet, obviously, until he's seventeen. Mm. Um, but by all accounts, we want to try and tie him up. Whether he succeeds with us or not, you know, even if you tie him up and sell him on for a profit, yeah, you know, that that's the way football is now. There's there's a load of teams now across various divisions in Europe who are sort of you know buying talent, nurturing talent, and then using the profit from that talent to improve the squad mm. and. You know, there's, you know, whenever we speak to Andy, he comes on here. He's really knowledgeable of the European market. You know, he runs a business in that area, and and he says, you know, obviously there's a lot of talent in like the French market, for example, where you can buy, you know, twenty year olds. Twenty. Look at this in Kunku, for example, that we've signed. Um Look at, yeah. you know, Marseille. He, had, he barely had a kick for Marseille. He'd been mm-hmm. playing in the youth team. Get, you, you know, you've watched footy, Frank. You can tell he's a player within five minutes. Yeah, he's a play. Yeah,
0: but I, as I say, I just. I don't follow it closely enough to to make a comprehensive uh, assessment uh, of how well or otherwise the academy is doing. But as I say, I've been noting some of the players on the team sheets at Liverpool and Man City, particularly uh, this season, because they've both been stretched. Uh, And, you know, those kids have come in and done a job. And when we're looking at a bench where you're not filling the bench, because the manager doesn't trust that he's got anything at that level to bring in that's worth bringing in, that starts to put question marks over it for me. So, as I say, in terms of Marcel Brandreau and with Uli, I think he's done a good job. Uh, I think he he inherited a mess that he's slowly but surely sorting out. Um, I'm struggling to remember a bad signing he's made. I'm sure there has been one. Uh, Because everybody gets it wrong in this game, don't they? It's always a gamble bringing new players in. Uh, But ultimately, for me, he will be judged, well, by people like me, not just by the millions of pounds he spends and the quality he brings in that route, but whether he can get an academy that's coming up with a conveyor belt of a couple of players a season. That's what we should be expecting. You know, he's, done, know that, he's, done, he's, he's done. He's done. He's
2: done that with the likes of PSV, hasn't he? And, and yeah, and play, you know, so he has got a track record of doing it. Yeah. I think he comes across very well when he speaks. I think he did that at the AGM. He put up a slide, didn't he? About these are players we signed for this amount. This is how, yeah. this is what the squad value was when yeah. I took over. Yeah. This is what it is now. Very clever that you're asking, yeah. you ask. You're asking me what's my job? Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, you look at the like the just things like Nkunku, for example. Look, we we don't know if he's going to go on to be the player we think he might be, but that's an issue little signing yeah. you know you look at you know we've got luka Dean for next to nothing he was the understudy to jordi albert at barcelona you know there's rumors it let, let's be honest there's a very good chance like city could come in and, and, and bid for him in the summer they need a left back you know don't be surprised if he goes and if he goes it's 60 million yeah you know what i mean he's the french yeah. number one left back you yeah. know what i mean and we and we, we've got him playing for us so yeah. um i think he has i think he has done a reasonable job but before we go on review the the, obviously, the games in in the week, Frank. I just wanted to get your opinion. You've mentioned Hammers a few times. Obviously, you've seen some, you know, some top players play for us, as you as you mentioned, particularly in the 80s. Yeah, and that was my dad's era as well. He absolutely he, he raves about that. He, I was talking with him on the phone the other day, and he was saying, you know, Hammers is the closest he's seen to player that would actually get into that sort of team, really, mm-hmm. in terms of his just ability. You know, he's he's an old fashioned number ten Hammers, isn't it? You don't really yeah. see that in the game anymore now. You know what I mean? You don't really see it at all. Um, I just wanted to get your opinions on him and your early thoughts. I know he hasn't played all season, but he looks a
0: player, doesn't he? He's the best player we've seen at Goodison Park for many, many a year. Probably since Rooney and his pomp, if I'm honest. I don't think there's been anybody that would come come near Hames on his day. I know it was only Sheffield Wednesday last weekend in the Cup, but the mood he was in that day. We Could have been playing anybody and he'd have he'd have torn it up. Uh, you know, those two corner kicks that he put in, uh, doesn't matter who the defending team are, they're not defending them, uh, because the quality was so good. He, he finds space that nobody else appears to be able to find. Uh, he's every pass or almost every pass goes through blue shares. The frustration sometimes, and I'm sure it's within him as well is that the rest of the team are quite a bit on the same level as he does at, at times. Uh, but no, he's a, he's an absolutely wonderful talent. He's, uh, you know, if we were able to go to the game, the point you made earlier, you know, that goal, uh, we'd have all been talking about that, wouldn't we, despite the fact that we'd have been disappointed with the point. That goal uh, in front of 40,000 would have been something spectacular. So, Let's hope he can maintain that sort of standard going into next season, When hopefully the crowds will be back in. Um, But yeah, he's he's one of those players that you never know what you're going to quite get from him. Um, But he doesn't necessarily always have to give a full 90 minutes because he can do one thing and that'll turn the game. The nearest thing, funnily enough, we had to him in that 80s team, I think, was probably Kevin Sheedy. Mm. Uh, because Sheed, you know, was the only luxury player, really, in that side, I'd say. You know, I'm, I'm thinking through the side now, and, and every single one of them, you know, would, would absolutely put a shift in. Uh, they could all put a foot in. Even Trevor Stevens, you know, was up and down the wing with Gary Stevens, two very athletic lads, whereas Sheedy was a bit of a Rolls Royce of a player. Uh, and would sort of trot up and down the left. But I don't think he got back to cover his his left back very often. Um, I remember one game, semi-final against Luton Town. And in the midweek, we played Bayern Munich. And we were the first English club to ever get a 0-0 at uh, at, at Bayern. And Kevin Richardson had played because Sheedy was doubtful with an injury. A few days later, we've got Luton in the cup against Villa. Uh, and Richardson gets dropped, and obviously he's fuming because he's had a great game against one of the best teams in Europe. We've got a great result. Semi-final of the Cup, he misses out again because Sheedy's fit. Sheedy absolutely stinks the place out for 85 minutes, and Howard Kendall used to tell the tale. Uh, he was up and down off the bench, staring and glower, glowering at Kendall, you know, why on not I on? Give me a game, <laughs> give me a game. Last five minutes of the game, we get a free kick. Sheedy steps up, equalises. We're out mm-hmm. the cup only for that guy. And, and Hamez yeah. is that sort of talisman who he might not do much, might not do anything for 80-odd minutes, but if you're still in the game, he's the player that can get you back into the game. Ultimately, actually, Kevin goes on and virtually wins <laughs> us the game because he then pings in a extra time free kick right onto the head of Mountfield and we win 2-1 and go to Wembley. But that mm. that sort of player, um, at times, you know, some people might say he can be a bit frustrating. Some people might even suggest he's lazy. I, I think the opposite, actually. I think he covers an awful lot of ground for the sort of player he is. Uh, but I'll tell you, next season, when I expect us to get those three or four players in, and I expect us to be genuinely knocking on the door for top four. He'll win us a bag full of points, that lad, because he's that good.
2: Yeah, his brains another level, isn't it? You can yeah. see it. You can yeah. see it. I mean, when we were scoring goals for fun at the start of the season, when we had our best eleven out, which we all between us have said, you know, when that best 11's out, we'll give anybody a game. I think we scored, you know, five past Brighton, won it, or four past yeah. Brighton, um, you know that, that little sandwich pass over the top. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean, who sees That's, that? I mean, very rarely. You, I, I've been going the game. I mean, obviously we can't go now, but you watch it. But um, and you kind of see, that like, you, you pretty much spot most passes on the pitch. You know, on more than one occasion, several occasions, you've just gone, "How's he seen that?" Yeah. How's, I, where, where's that come from? That pass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and that and that just shows you that some players are just on a different level. Yeah. You know, uh, I wasn't quite sure what player we were going to get when we signed him. I'll be honest. Don't get me wrong. It was a great marquee signing for the club, and you know, great in terms of marketing worldwide, but I wasn't quite sure what we were going to get. But no. you know, early, you can see straight away. I mean, his his level. I mean, Mike, you're a big fan, aren't you?
1: Oh yeah, it's just different classes. For me, you get into ninety nine point nine percent of the size in world football for me because he's he's-, he's 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 just got he's just got that quality. He's got he's there's just this got this aura about him. Um, you, you trust him implicitly on the ball. Uh, some of the things he does are just ridiculous and, and it, the, the biggest the biggest wrench for me is that we aren't there to see it. That's the biggest wrench yeah. for me because yeah. it, we, we appreciate things on the telly of course but when you're there watching someone live with that kind of quality it's just sensational. Like I always say it, you know, when I've uh, Arsenal used to come to Goodison Park and they used to have on me and bear camp and that kind of quality of player they were they were an absolute joy to watch live. Mm-hmm. You know yet they're, they're against Everton. But well, they they could just just used to run the match all the time. And Hammers is 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 that kind of quality. You know, it's it's for me. And I said the other day, Ben Godfrey's the one that went under the radar, potentially our most important signing at the window. It's been absolutely exceptional. But to get Hammers Rodriguez for for nothing at all, obviously he's on a decent wedge in terms of his wages, but there's no transfer fee. You know, to get a player of that kind of quality coming to us. You know, we're looking to build now a quality side and make that next step. That is an exceptional, and and to, to have him in an Everton shirt is is something which which dreams are made of. That's for sure. And as I say, that's hope we can get back in the grounds for, for next season and, and see this man live because he's just abs- he's just a sensation, isn't he? You know, and if he's if he's in any other if he's in you know, Man City side, United side, whatever it might be, they'd be grieving about him every single week. You know, and and that's the thing, uh, but. Absolute, absolute quality for me. Um, but let, let's so you know, let's let's move on if we can do, um, and and discuss. I know we got a, we got a busy week. It's it's difficult to discuss the United game in any kind of detail uh, on Saturday. But first up is, is Leeds, a uh, Leeds United side. They were, you know, they they go from one week they look exceptional. They've just beaten beaten Leicester away from home. Um, other weeks they look poor. They ship goals. Um, Sky Sports absolutely love them. Um, you know, <laughs> if they've got this love affair with these United, you know, it's just another another side who, who they're in love with. But you know, it's a, it's either way. You know, when it comes to your first rank, it's a real difficult game, isn't it? Going to Ellen Road on Wednesday—that that's a game that you know we we've seen them go to some Park when it was an end-to-end stuff, wasn't it? it Could have really gone either way. They they nicked the three points on the night, but going there Wednesday, it's going to be a difficult task for us, isn't it? <laughs>
0: I think so, although it might suit us um, because I think Carlo will feel he, there's no pressure on him in terms of putting that solid defensive unit out again. Uh, and, you know, Leeds are, I, I think, they're, they're a side that do look vulnerable defensively. And if we can counter-attack effectively, we, we weren't able to do that last week against Leicester, but if we can do a, a Leicester away job on them, you know, which I think we're capable of, uh, then I'm quite confident, funnily enough, going into the Leeds game. Uh, I, I actually fancy us. I think we'll turn it round. I think he's obviously um, come out yesterday and give them a bit of a bollock, and You can only imagine what he said behind closed doors, can't you? He was that critical mm. in yeah. front of the media. So I think, you know, they've got a bit of a point to prove. I think Godfrey and Tolgate will probably return. I hope he brings Gomez in for, for Sigurdsson or, you know, maybe even Tom Davis, to be honest, because at least Tom gives you a bit of energy in there. Um So I think we've got to uh, bring the changes to an extent. Um uh, But no, I don't think Leeds are that great. Uh, I think they're a hit and miss side. They have purple patches. I didn't see the game against Leicester. I was surprised by the results, I have to say. Um, but I don't think we should be going there with any fear. And as I say, he's, he's able to put his solid back four up, which I think at the moment he prefers to play that back four. Uh, and I think that will give us a platform to go on and win the game. I really do.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think, later saying that we're going to see Carlo go back to what we saw? Against Wolves, where it, it, it works so well, where we had Godfrey left back, um, for Holgate at right back, Mina Key as his two centre halves, and then Luca Deem maybe playing a bit further forward. Um, do you think we're going to go back to that kind of that kind of setup and that kind of formation?
2: I think he might do, yeah. I think he might do. I think, um, like Frank said, he trusts that, he trusts that, uh that defence then to keep a clean sheet, then not he? Um, I think Carl, what Carlo's done and what he's very clever at, he's got, he's found different ways to win games. I think we've got 14 points against the, the so-called top six, seven teams in the league. Now, we'd never get those sort of returns before, even when we were in our heyday, really. Well, I say heyday in inverted commas, but, you know, in the Moys, our last best side, really. We never really picked up points uh, against, you know, the so-called better sides. And Carlo finds a way to do that. Leeds, Leeds, we've said this before, um, I actually like watching Leeds as a neutral. I think, I, I like the way they play. I've always been a fan of Bielsa, even when he managed Chile and things like that, and the way they used to just play what I would call almost kamikaze football, really. But it's great to watch, because they, they could be 3-1 up and they're still throwing bodies forward. You know what I mean? They're still, they're still trying to score 4-5. or five. But what that does mean is that sometimes they'll get hammered 5-0, or sometimes they might win 5-0. Uh, and then sometimes they have a game sort of somewhere in between, and that was the game at Goodison, where, you know, We we all watched the game first half. No exaggeration, it could have been four all. I mean, you know, both teams had ridiculous chances, no one took their chances, you know, and and it somehow managed to be nil nil. The game sort of quietened down a bit second half, but um, you know, I just just like the way they play. Yeah, they are a bit sort of you know, take you know, you have a shot, we have a shot type teams, (laughs) um, but you know. You know, I've, I've watched some of that game today, not all of it. I mean, they scored some cracking goals. You'll see. I mean, Bamford's goal was a fantastic goal. Bamford's, yeah, you know, he, he's, not the, he's what, not the world's most clinical striker, but what he will do in that team is get four or five chances a game just because of the way they play. You know, they, they like to they like to do a lot of one-twos, give and goes. They like to try and isolate full You know, they certainly press high up the pitch, try and win the ball, but that means they're vulnerable at the back and they do concede a lot of chances. Um, I'm just hoping after that win today... Rodrigo of they signed he was he, was, he was a Spanish international has been a good signing for him he's pulled a muscle today but I think he'll be out the game Bamford had a knock at the end of the game hobbled off the pitch I'm hoping that when they come to players you know they'll have a couple of key players out there um, I just think the way they play Leeds is, is that you know if you if they are in a busy schedule they can their levels can drop a bit because obviously they're a super fit side but they play three games in a week. They're not as effective at the end of the week as they are at the start, just because the way he likes to play and he likes to play the same team a lot as well. And you saw that in, you know, in the championship. You know, uh, despite that pundit, uh, the poor girl getting absolutely hammered for saying it, it was it was true. You know, yeah. that COVID break helped Leeds recuperate and stop them doing what they did the season before, which is throw the league away. You know, and and they ran they ran out of legs that, that first season under Bielsa, and then second season they they, they regathered and had another push. So. It could be a good game for us, weirdly, because if we'd have come across, say, uh, uh, another team like Newcastle, where you're expected to win, yeah, like like a West Brom or someone that's going to sit off us or or you know whatever Brighton or, or no disrespect to them, but you know a team like that, it could be a negative for us because mm. if there's one criticism where Carlo does need to change the mentality of the team is is that sort of fear of losing. You know, when you know, the longer that game stayed nil-nil against Newcastle, we all knew what was coming. Mm. I think sometimes some of those players, there's a mentality issue there where it's it's more of a fear of losing rather than having the bravery to win. Yeah. And, I, and I think, you know, top players don't really feel that. Mm. Or certainly top teams don't. Yeah. They have that shift. No matter what, we'll keep on knocking on the door and we'll win this. Whereas Everton, if you're going to throw something at them the last few years, certainly it's been... That fear of losing, certainly when Goodison. Can you imagine if Goodison was full against Newcastle? We've all been to those games.
0: Right.
2: Wigan springs to mind when we lost three 0 in the quarter final against Martinez. You know, where you expected to walk over them, and you know the, the players were lucky there were no fans in the ground against Newcastle the other day. I tell you, because it would have been absolutely <laughs> toxic. Um, but yeah, Leeds Leeds could be a good game for us in a way because we yes. have we have reacted quite well to a couple of setbacks. Reacted well to when we lost to West Ham the other day, or the other week, sorry one 0 at home and I think Carlo, like you said there, Frank, he, he will privately have laid into him and expect the reaction. Um now if we can be clinical against Leeds, because we will get chances. They will get chances as well with the way they play. But if we can be clinical, and hopefully Calvert Lewin can be, then um I think we could we could we could beat them there, I think. Um but it's one of those it's one of those sort of mad games, as I said, it could easily be four <laughs> four.
1: Yeah, it, it's difficult to say isn't it you know it, the Leeds United uh, that we saw at Goodison Park you know at, at Leeds United play play one way like you say like that, that's why they've had such a variety of results and um, it's certainly going to be a test for us in my opinion you know I, like like you said Frank, I'm sure Carl would give him give him a real rollicking um, after the game against Newcastle and it, I'm sure he and, and the players expect better they, they, they've got to you know the the, the attitude of the players has got to be better. We we talk about mentality all the time, and you the, know the, the, the mentality change I think has been evident this year. But it only uh, as a, as a full evolution when the quality of player coming into the club improves, and that's going to take a little while yet. But um, the the league game could be could be a blessing in disguise for us. You know they, they do leave do leave a bit of space. That's for sure. And uh, if if we if we're a little bit braver. Um then there's no reason why we can't go there can't go there and win the game. Um but we need we certainly need players, certain players back in form. Nicodeen, like we said, has been a bit rusty. Uh, I know his missus had a, had a baby. It was uh this morning or last night, so whether that's impacted him maybe yeah. a little bit as well. Um obviously we've said that Charles has been offered a little bit, he needs to find Fine form, that's for sure. Uh, Calvert-Lewin needs to bag a goal in the league, as you said before, Frank. I'm sure that's playing on his mind a little bit. Seven games without a goal in the Premier League, so things have got to click against Leeds. But it really could play into our hands playing them. Um, and 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 you know, despite the results against Newcastle, uh, despite us, you know, the, the, the mistake that happened on uh, Wednesday against Leicester and us potentially dropping two points there, I still go into the game. With a bit of confidence this if this season shows anything, it's it's how unpredictable uh, every single side in the league is, and anyone can beat anyone on any given day, you know. And if, if a side wants to put a, any kind of run together, like we're seeing with Man City at the moment, you go fine up the table and you can start to sort of pull yourself away a little bit. Um, so I, I think I think we're going to win the game, I really do. I, I think uh, I can see I can see a 2 1. I think with Charles, I'll be back amongst the goals again. I think Hammes will uh, add another little, little wonder goal to his, his tally for the season. Uh, Frank, prediction, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think I'd probably go 2-0, actually. I think we'll keep a clean sheet. I think that's one of the things he'll demand on Wednesday, actually. Start with that strong base uh, of, of keeping a clean sheet and go on and win the game. Um, so, 2-0 for, for me, Wednesday. Lee?
2: Actually. Yeah, I, I I agree, I agree. I think we'll um I think it could be an ideal game for us to bounce back in. Um, you know, when you come off the bad a bad result like Newcastle, you, you normally you expect a reaction. So I think we'll get a reaction. I'd I'd say yeah, I'd say two 0 as well, actually. I think two 0 I think if he goes with that back four, we will keep a clean sheet. If Bamford's out Rodrigo's out, you know, they're not going to have much of a forward presence there either. Um, I know they've still got some good players, but um yeah, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go two nil.
1: And let let's hope so, because that, that'll be a, a real confidence boost going into you know a couple of you know difficult games again. Uh, we've got the FA Cup next week against Spurs Wednesday night game. Um but before before that, Man United game at Old Safford, um played them already this year. Again, it's so difficult to look ahead that far with, with the games which are happening midweek but you know, United have, have shown you could argue a bit of progression this season under Solskjaer they've given a decent count of themselves currently sitting second in the league which is which is a, a, a good turnaround for them um, they've got players obviously the likes of Fernandez, who's, who's looked excellent in the 12 months he's been in the Premier League was playing a bit of decent football now we know that the quality the likes of the likes of Rashford, has got Martial. They've got they've got pace, but the certainly not a on a side, Frank, who who we can sit here and say they're unbeatable. They seem to be that that bit better away from home, probably like like ourselves this season. Mm. To be fair, um, but there's certainly the not a side who who can can uh, profess to be to be unbeatable. Uh, unbeatable, that's for sure.
0: No, not a lot of. Um... Uh, Sorry, there are a lot of similarities between United this season and Everton. I think, you know, Sheffield United turned them over last week, didn't they? And then against a a much weakened Arsenal side last night, they didn't pull up any trees. So very hit and miss, as you say, Mike, you know, an unpredictable season. I wouldn't be surprised if we went and got a result at United. Equally, I wouldn't be surprised if we got turned over. I think that is one of those games which is extremely difficult to, to, to call. Um if I'm sat here now, I'm taking a point, you know, I'm thinking actually go to Old Trafford, get a point, particularly if we do what we've all said we'll do on Wednesday night. You know, four points from the next two games, I think we'd all settle for that. Um and United, um, you know, sometimes it depends what Pogba turns up, doesn't it? So Pogba turns up on the night and really turns it on, he can he can change the game significantly. Um Rashford has always got a goal on them as we know. Um so but then I think defensively they're they're vulnerable. You know, I don't rate Maguire particularly highly uh and the rest of their back four. I, I prefer our back four to their back four. So mm-hmm. you know okay. as I say I, I'd be I I wouldn't be surprised if we turn them over, but I'd certainly be happy with the point.
1: Mm-hmm. And and Lee, we've got hopefully Touchwood. wood, uh Alan's back for that game. Carlo said he should be back in. Difficult game for him to come back in. You know, we, we can't be expecting too much after, you know, a couple of months out, um, after the injury that he that he suffered. Um but you know, the game against against um Leeds Wednesday is pivotal, I think, to the attitude we have going into the United game. But like 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 Frank's saying there, like we said already, the unpredictability of all sides this season, United very similar to ourselves in that sense, we we shouldn't be going there uh, with any kind of fear, should we? There's no one, you know. There's no crowd watching. Um, united united United, you know, under Sir Alex Ferguson, that's for sure. Um, so we should, we should have hopefully a decent, uh, a decent shot there, shouldn't we? Yeah,
2: I, I think uh, I think personally, yeah, I think it, I, I agree with what Frank just said there. Defensively, I say we're a better side. But they've got they've got they've got bigger guns going forward, and they've and they've got a bench of bigger guns as well, um, you know. And, and Fernandez is, is 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 their Hammers Rodriguez really, but obviously you know a younger version, of a very clever player, um, loads of goals, loads of assists. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd take the point. I'd take the point basically in that game. Um, let's deal with Leeds first, and hopefully we'll we'll we'll, we'll get a, we'll get a result there. Um, but yeah, it, it won't be an easy game. and As they showed at, at, at Goodison, you know they're a decent side when they want when they want to play.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'd, I'd, you know, if we get a point there, then that, that's a decent a decent result. And um, four points from two games would certainly be a step in the in the right direction going into the the difficult Spurs game, FA Cup game, um, the following week. we'll Well, call a day there, Frank. It's been a, a pleasure to have you on yet again. Great, great discussion. Um, took a few twists and turns there. And let, let, let's, hope, let's hope we can get someone through the door, that's for sure, tomorrow to, to add a decent bit of quality to the squad. Great to talk, lads. Thanks very much. See you soon. Thanks
0: for coming on, mate. See you soon, yeah. Cheers,
1: Lee. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. And, and thanks to lot for everyone, everyone for listening um, to, to this week's episode. We'll be back next week um, looking back on those games against. Leeds United and Manchester United, and looking ahead to the FA Cup game at Goodison Park against Spurs. So we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast: Three Blues,
0: Three Opinions, One Everton Podcast.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.